Today, I'm really honored uh, to be able to introduce to us a guest speaker uh, with us today. Uh, today, uh, we are able to invite Reverend Dr. Carver Yu. Uh, he's the former president of China Graduate School of Theology, and he's come to share a message with us from the Psalms. And uh, so, without further ado, I'd like to welcome Reverend Dr. Carver. Well, seeing that I'm taking this notebook, immediately, you know that I come from the Stone Age in this technological world, huh? Yes, coming to this area brings back a lot of fond memories. I started my teaching career uh, as a fresh graduate 54 years ago at uh, the Christian Alliance College, okay? You remember that college, you know, yeah? Teaching biology and chemistry. And, uh, well, I preached at this congregation about 13 years ago for the first time. And that was, that was it, you know. This is the second time, you know, I come back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I was asked specifically to speak on Psalms 139. So, this morning I'm going to share with you my meditation on this psalm about God's extreme mercy. Now, sheer mentioning of Psalm 139 would easily evoke memory of golden verses like you have searched me and know me or if I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea how beautiful you know I mean, you can fry you know fry to the far side of the sea but how should we get beyond this warm memory of these golden verses and have a deeper understanding of the psalm. However, different prominent Old Testament scholars would have different opinions. And some would say, judging from verse 19 to 22, pick the verse like, if only you would slay the wicked, O God. They speak of you with evil intent. Now the scholar would say this psalm is definitely a personal lamentation about outer oppression and inner weakness. There's no strength to resist that oppression. Well, some would say, no, it's not a lamentation at all. It is a meditation of who God is. He's an only omniscient God who knows all things. He is an only omnipresent, only only present, only present God who, who is everywhere. And uh, he loves us. That's all. 
That's what this song is all about. Well, the other would say, it is simply just a hymn of praise, praising God for His loving kindness. Now, to try to get a good grasp, good grasp of this psalm, I read it several times in both Chinese and English versions. And finally, I decided to enter into my study and close the door and recite the psalm aloud repeatedly to let it sink deep into my heart. And all of a sudden, it dawned on me. I suddenly understood what Martin Luther means by sola gratia, grace and grace alone. Particularly, grace totally undeserved. When we are totally powerless to resist our own sinful nature, trapped helplessly in the abyss of sin. Even then, even when we try to flee from him with all our might, he would claim unto us and never let us go. The psalm can be divided into four stanzas or four sections, each with six verses. The first stanza, verse 1 to 6, talks about God's onision. God knows all things, and He knows everything of each one of us. He knows everything about you. He has, yet He has devoted, He devotes what He knows about you to protect you. The second stanza, verse 7 to 12, points to the fact that God is only present. That is, present everywhere. But more than that, He's present everywhere to be present with us, no matter where we are. The third section, verse, verses 13 to 18, the psalmist tells us God creates us according to His purpose, with all His richness to be endowed in us. He weaves our different parts into a whole, very much like a tailor cuts and stitch a unique life pattern in our life. The last section Verse 19 to 24, the psalmist opens his heart to God, vows to break completely with all those evildoers and cut himself loose from all evil thoughts and evil deeds. This is a declaration of utter commitment to God. Let us read verse 1 to 6. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out, my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. You hem me in, behind and before. You had laid your hand upon me. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful, too lofty, for me to attain. Well, God penetrates into our heart and mind, knowing everything, brooding and hatching there. The word "search" means examination, very much like a thorough exam, like the thorough examination of a judge. The psalmist say, "Every moment of our thoughts and actions are within God's sight. Whether you are in motion or still, He knows it all. Think about it. Think about it. How terrible it is. You don't feel terrible." You should. How often, evil thoughts swirled in my in our mind, resentment from jealousy, blinding our eyes, bitterness swelling inside, ready to explode, greed and desire, surging, uncontrollably, ambition for success and power bubbling up. From time to time, daydreams of vain glory, the pleasure of lust so sweet and tempting, for fleeting moments of satisfaction, we would say things hurtful to those we dislike. Does it sound familiar to you? Hmm? It sounds familiar to me. If God were to lay all this before us, we should be utterly shame, finding nowhere to hide our nakedness. If God were to judge us in accordance with His righteousness, we would find no excuse for pardon, no excuse at all. We can say it ourselves. But very strangely. God does not use this knowledge of us to shame us, accuse us, or condemn us. In verse five, the psalmist exclaims with astonishment. Instead, God hammers in—that is, surrounds us like a garment, wrapping us, wrapping us in with stitching. Actually, the word. Hamin, the Hebrew word "zuvah," is often used in military siege or fortification. It can be used both way, siege and fortification. That means God besieges us from without to protect us from all kinds of temptation or attacks, as if. That is not enough. He will even come into us to fortify us from within, lest that we be overwhelmed by evil due to our own weakness. Psalmist say, "You have laid your hand upon me." Now this reminds us of Exodus thirty-three, verse. Verses twenty-two <clears throat> to twenty-three. When God's glory was to was about to pass 
before Moses, there was a threat. God's glory may render him dead. In order to let his glory not to harm Moses, God put him in a cleft and lay his hand over him to shield him from any harm there may be. No wonder the psalmist exclaims with joy. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty to abstain. For God deploys his knowledge about us, not to condemn, but to protect. It is a knowledge of love. Knowledge of love. Let us read verse 7 to 12. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. We constantly have unconstrained desires. And because of that, we do not want to be accountable to anyone, particularly the one on high. We want to be totally free. You know, to live constantly in the presence of God is no fun, isn't it? You feel too restricted. Yes, we want to have our own way. So, the farther away from God, the better. We do not want to see His face, particularly after we did something crazy or bad. We don't want to see His face. Okay. So the desire to escape from His sight is deeply rooted in our soul. We want to fly away with the wing of the dawn. The wings of the dawn in verse 9 means the sun. That has a pair of wings. The sun moves fast and far and high to the extreme east, from the extreme east to the extreme west. We want to move away from God like the sun flying high and fast, taking us to the end of the world too far for God to confront us there. There, we do not have to be accountable to him or in fact, to be accountable to anyone. Alas, God is present everywhere. There is no escape. He is present with us in all circumstances. In Jeremiah 23, 24, God reminds us himself, can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him? 
Do I not feel heaven and earth? Surprisingly, as we free from him, he is not in hot pursuit. In pursuit after us, no. In fact, verse ten tells us, even your hand will guide us. Can you see that? Guiding us in front of us, guiding us with his invisible hand, closing doors, blocking us from bumping into our folly, and then opening doors. To possibilities that we never would have imagined. Sure, when the ways of our desire are blocked, we often whine about it. We want to. We, we we often blame God for not giving the good stuff to us, not knowing that snares and mishaps are lying waiting there. For us to fall in, when a door opens to something we loathed, we find all the same, not knowing all kinds of blessings are waiting to shower upon us. God is not running after us; He's running before us. So that he can guide us with his hand, invisible hand, and then your right hand will hold me fast. God uses his strong hand to hold us fast, to grasp us tightly, not letting us go, for fear that we may sink back into the abyss of sin. <clears throat> At times. We want to deceive ourselves, thinking that we can hide in darkness, or in fact we indulge in darkness. We want to hide in darkness that we indulge, so that God cannot see us. That is very much a dream. Yet God, by His extreme mercy, His light of truth, would shine. Would cut into our darkness. Okay. The darkness inside, the darkness around us, around this most stubborn sinner. Verse thirteen to eighteen. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. <clears throat> my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the sacred place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! Where were I to count them, they would 
outnumber the grains of sand. When I were weak, I'm still with you. This section touches the very core of our being. In creating us, God is not creating a species. He's creating each one of us as his handiwork. With his design, skilled, and purpose in it. With all the richness to be endowed in us, waiting to be unfolded. The psalmist is using the metaphor of a master tailor, weaving the pattern of our life, knitting our body, mind, and soul into a single whole with attentiveness. He created us in the depth of the earth, in a sacred place. That means only God. Only God alone knows what unique distinctiveness He has instilled in us. That is thus an intimate relation, a bondage between ourselves and this God, you know, this God's master plan. To the psalmist, in fact, to all of us, knowing how wonderfully we are made, we cannot but be in awe and in adoration. And that's why the psalmist say, I was made fearfully and wonderfully, fearfully, because I'm in awe, seeing the real stuff, the richness of God in us, and all the blessings that have been showering, showering on us. You know, we, we are in awe and adoration. Our life has been written in God's heart. No, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you, thank you. <clears throat> Not only in a book, but in his heart, with his mindfulness, purpose, and blessings on us. His thought for us, the possibilities of life before us, is as numerous as sands on the ocean shore. So numerous, so vast, that, cannot, that we cannot even begin to imagine. If only we open our eyes, get out of our tunnel vision, and tunnel vision often that we have, we will be constantly amazed how these possibilities unfold in the journey of our life. And here, I want to share with you a story. When I studied at Fuller Theological Seminary in the United States, in my second year, there entered a very special person, a sister. When you look at her, you would think, right before you, right in front of you, there is perhaps one of the most ugly person on this earth. Really. 
It was as if God has created her and then twisted her. Her whole body was twisted, and she would be shaking all the time, you know. And、uh, worse, mouth drop continue, you see, to ooze out of his mouth. And then, whenever she ate a spoonful of food into his mouth, some would drop out onto the table or the tray. Wow! I said to myself, I would never eat in front of her in the canteen. So every time I enter into the canteen, I would search where she. Where she was, to make sure that she would not be in front of me. But one morning, as I was eating my breakfast, there was a voice: "Ka, ka, 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 Kava." My name is Kava. Kava, you. Kava, may, 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 may I sit with you? Ah,、oh, Susie. So she sat there. But since then, we became very good friends, very very good friends. Okay. One night, midnight, someone knocked on the door. My doormate opened the door with some annoyance. You see. Well, your girlfriend is looking for you. <laughs> so, I said to her, with some impatience, I said, "Susie, what's up?" She said, "I couldn't sleep tonight, and what had that to do with me? You couldn't sleep, go back to sleep. I was busy working on a term paper. Okay, you know that. I know that. You." You're very much like a poet. You see, you can read poems beautifully. Can you read my poems, the poems I've written? Wow, that sends goosebumps, huh? <laughs> my body, you know. I don't like. I mean, reading poems claim to be poem. I mean, <laughs> yes, you know, but our politeness. Two books, you know, and、uh, I started to read one after another. Before long, I find myself weeping, tears dropping from my eyes, until I couldn't utter a word. There was one poem. Particularly touched me. The poem described her lying under a tree, and she was really enjoying. And looking up, she saw the beautiful pattern formed by the sunlight shining through all those leaves. She was describing those beautiful patterns. 
and her heart was full of joy. She was describing how she felt. How could that be? To us, to many of us, such a broken body. How can she still see the world as so beautiful? All those poems really describe how beautiful the world is to her. I was so touched. Okay, now we part. We parted company, you know, because I went back to Hong Kong and uh, to teach theology. After 11 years, I was invited back to Fuller as a visiting professor. And of course, I would ask about Susie, where she was, how she was doing, and knowing what she was doing. It really put myself to shame. You know, when I saw her the first time, there was, I mean, inside me asking why our seminary would admit such a person. I mean, how could I imagine her serving in a church? There's no way. No way. In what way can this person be used by God? Well, when I was at Fuller, I find out she has been using mightily by God. Okay. She became a pastor to all those handicapped. I mean, some very severely handicapped, very much like her. I mean, to serve this congregation, special congregation, if I were to preach the good news to them a hundred times, I mean, the force of the preaching has no comparison with this sister preaching just once to such a congregation. And all of a sudden, it dawns on me that really God has a special plan for her. Even in his quote-unquote brokenness, God used her as a whole person to be a faithful servant, to serve effectively to a specific congregation. That was unimaginable to many of us. Then, with Susie's life, in front of me, I began to understand what this psalmist says. His thoughts, so vast and so numerous, as numerous as the sand of the ocean shore. 
The psalmist also said, "My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the sacred place. I was when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. You saw me. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All that God has put into us is awaiting." To be unfolded in your life, and that really depends on you. That really depends on you. How are you going to bring out all this richness God has endowed in you? Think about that. Sometimes we easily stash all this away. Because of all the desires in us, and all the ambition, and all the daydreams that we have, yes, we do have daydreams. But you know what? The psalmist said, "When I wake up." Particularly, wake up from my daydream. God is there, waiting for you to wake up. Maybe right now, God is waiting for you to wake up from your daydreams. <clears throat> The fourth section, verse nineteen to twenty-four. If only you would slay the wicked, O、oh、God! Away from me, you bloodthirsty men! They speak of you with evil intent. They misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you? I have nothing but hatred for them. Search me, O、oh、God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thought. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me. In the way everlasting. Now the tone, as you can feel, suddenly changes. The emotional expressions of gratitude that went before suddenly becomes harsh and damning. With a firm declaration of the parting away, with a strong feeling of resentment. Why such a change? The psalmist, seeing God's patience, love that would not let us go, His guiding presence along our way, he cannot but be overwhelmed with gratitude and adoration, and this urges him to abandon his old ways, his evil companies. He decides to turn around and cut himself off from all this. The feeling of utter resentment of the old way gushes from the heart, and the yearning for a clean light, clean a clean life, pleasing to God flows in. Thus, he expresses his desire to be pure and clean, inviting God to examine him.
with a humble plea for continual guidance, leading him in his journey, in in leading him in a journey to life eternal. This is a humble plea that all of us should have, with a deep sense of gratitude. This is feelings of needing to turn around from our old way to throw ourselves into God. To submit ourselves completely to God, to live a life that is pleasing in His sight, that should be our response. If we are convinced that this God, who has been guiding us, is the God of extreme mercy, extreme mercy. That should be. Our response to him. Let us pray. Father, we thank you from the bottom of our heart. In view of your love, your loving kindness, we no longer see ourselves as undeserving, although we actually are. We only feel that we are precious to you. Please help us to lead a life that is precious in your sight, that is pleasing to you. Lord, we need your help. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.